Hello, Miss Wilder. Hello. How are you doing, Hollister? I'm good. I'm good. Do you have power again? I have power. Uh, you know, just for those of you who really care, which is will be few and far between, so we'll keep it brief. I moved to Maine, and out of the last 11 days, I haven't had power for seven of them. But there's a new generator arriving on Monday, so when the storms hit in the future, that will not be my demise. She only had one sock and she was alternating it between <laughs> her feet. Because... Uh, yeah, not only that, it was like every half hour, I was like, soon you'll be. <laughs> but now I, I also got a lot of socks this week. They arrived and they're fabulous. And now I'm a sock wearer, whatever. Anyway, but on to movies. And I got to tell you, I ended up at a hotel finally where I could watch. There's so much out there right now. Have you noticed There's, that? There is quite a lot out there. We, we actually chose two for this week. There's so right. much out there. So why don't you take us in? Why don't we start with uh, Selena? Yeah, I, uh, I wanted us to take a look at Selena this series. I think it's a little bit different for our audience and for all audiences because this is a new Latinx show that's really kind of speaking to that generation also in addition to the culture. And I was excited that it seems that this is happening across all the platforms, but Netflix put a lot of resources behind this show. It's about Selena, the singer-songwriter. Her her story is pretty well captured in the Jennifer Lopez movie. Uh, and this From 1997. Of- it's hard to believe, by the way, that Selena was so long ago. Selena was so long ago. And that's, that's yeah. part of what I want to talk about with this show, because it's, it's interesting. This is, it's a two part series and there's, they've already released the first part, but they've also shot the second part. So it's ready and ready or they're editing it and it'll be released pretty soon. But the first part is really about kind of her rise to fame, but it's interesting because it's not really about her. It's really about the family and the whole team behind it seems pretty authentic, seems pretty Latinx. Her sister Suzette is an executive producer on the show. And my big takeaway, Christian Serratos is the lead. She plays Selena. She plays her. By the way, she looks exactly like Jennifer Lopez looked in the 97 version. It's shocking. Which is funny because neither of them really look that much like Selena. I know. (laughs) No, but I I felt like I was watching and also the younger Selena looks exactly like, but she also looks, I thought, wait, it's 20 years ago. That girl could not be on here again. No. Though they have Christian playing her in her teens through her inevitable fate, which I'm sure we'll get to in season two. And I, I had a tough time getting past the fact that she was clearly a 30-year-old playing a 15-year-old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but with, she, the line, with the lines to prove it, by the way. Yes. But wait, before we even get to the show itself, okay, there were two movies made of the Selena story. Yes, there yeah, was the one in 95 one, and one in 97. Right, yeah. and the 97 one with Jennifer Lopez, which I saw and enjoyed. And actually, when I flip through the TV, sometimes I've watched it more than once. Especially the music was great. You know, yeah. Jennifer can perform like nobody's mama. But why do in the third one? In other words, does this upcoming generation that they're trying to make sure Netflix brings in properly, do they do they listen to Selena? Do they care about Selena? Has Selena ever been... There's so many more Latina musicians and, and singers out there. Why do this series? Why do you think they do? You know... I think this is kind of the kickoff for opening up a whole new... They have a great Spanish-based market, whether it's Hispanic or in Spain. Spanish-speaking 
shows, they have a ton of them and they're fantastic. They're really great, actually. And I think Selena this is the crossover. Does, does, does Selena matter to them? I think Selena is, I think she's the seminal, right? She's a story every, everyone knows. And well, so, she was a, so, you know, she was somebody who rose against all odds. She crossed mm-hmm. over from singing in Spanish to, you know, pop culture. She won a Grammy. Oh, yeah. A bunch of Grammys. Mm-hmm. And then she was murdered, actually, by somebody who managed her fan club. I mean, the story is incredible that she got to where she got, and then yeah. for her to die so young, so so horrendously. It's interesting to me, because it, obviously it's a tragic, tragic story. It kind of feels like the female Latinx Michael Jackson story. You know, the family, though, obviously her father is not quite the monster that Joe Jackson was. But, no, but he I, was, he was driven. <laughs> Those kids driven, didn't have right? a choice. Yeah. I think Ricardo Chavera did a great job in the show. I think he really grounds it. And you understand where his drive came from, right? This is an unrealized dream for himself. And then he recognizes that talent in his daughter and come hell or high water, he's going to see her succeed. And what I do love about what they did was this is a show about a family, right? Actually, Selena's very, she's a very small part of the first season. She's kind of barely there unless she's singing. They spent a lot more time though. It's interesting because Selena, the movie from 97, her childhood, the younger Selena had a lot larger role than the one does now, you know? Yeah. And this little girl's great. Yeah, like, she's great. She can yeah. act. She's not She's and not she can sing. Yep. And is that her singing? I yeah, actually I think so. Look it yeah. up. I mean, the music's fantastic. It's super enjoyable. It's a little saccharine. It's a little lifetimey, a little treacly. Was that the way they were? Because it's it was saccharine in the first film too. I have a feeling that Selena was that clean cut, positive oh, person who yeah. only loved everything. From her costumes to her nails to to the music. Yeah, but nails. that's all she's about, though, in this first yeah. season. She's all about, I maybe. can do the costumes and I can choreograph. But maybe right? she is that. Maybe she was that. Sure. But it's it's more in the directing and in the writing that I'm, I'm looking at this being a little too family-friendly, a little too perfect. <laughs> though, obviously, they go through a lot of trials. Like, there's, there's certainly, this is not the fairy tale this is a fairy tale in the sense of going from from nothing to something yeah they did not have anything right there's very clearly you see that they're living out of their brother's house and they're on food stamps and the father's pride gets in the way of all of that and he chooses the path that they're on he chooses not to go drive a truck to provide for his family because he's going to make sure that they succeed as musicians. By the way, um, which is true for many actors. For I mean, a yeah. lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, take that road of, I may not get here, but I'm not going to stop trying, you know? So, and yeah. I think they did that really well. It's more how it's shot and it's some of the writing that just feels a little like, okay, we, we get it. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, uh, also, whenever you take something that's always been a movie and you make it into a series where there's going to be, you know, again, episode after episode, you have to draw it out. But here's the thing. At the beginning of it, when they run the credits and they do the intro, which of course mm-hmm. every series now has, I think it's the best one I've ever seen. I think each one of those images is right out of 60s retro, 70s retro. Mm-hmm. I want it to be a postcard. I want to send it to a friend. You know, just watch it for that intro, which I think 
is truly one of the great intros of all time. I don't know who did it because I'm sure it's not the cinematographer, but really, really, really well done. And you know how you're always, you can now skip them so you don't have to watch them in every episode. I watched four episodes. I didn't want to skip any of them. I just kept watching it over and over again. I loved it. It's, I mean, it's a fun show. I think they did a great job in the sense that you don't want to skip over any of it. It's not, yeah, it's a little cloying. I think the costumes to me felt a little more parody of the 80s and 90s rather than actuality of the 80s and 90s. Well, but it's funny when I mean, you, those wigs. When, oh, and you look at Selena's costumes from that time? No, her her on-stage costumes they nailed. Yeah. That was that it's more I'm talking about like her in school with the oh, like oh. super patterned sweaters and the, it just I really couldn't get over the wig she wears when she's a teenager that's like clearly she's got a perm but it's kind of a mullet but it's not really a mullet but it doesn't ever move (laughs) but they honestly I had a lot of fun watching it I think the music is fantastic obviously like and also you can watch it as a family and there's lots to talk about it as a family in it you know there is family dynamic and also you know one of the things that I was moved by in the 97 movie and I moved in this her sister didn't have an ounce of jealousy toward the fact that she had to play the goddamn drums like some sort of boy girl. Well, and her sister's a producer on this. I know, but yeah. it just seemed like there was no sibling rivalry in that group whatsoever. And, you know. Yeah, they were clearly a unit. And that's yeah. one of the things I think they do a good job with the father figure of understanding that, you know, Celine is the central figure. She's the central talent. But her brother is the one who writes the songs right? Her sister's the one who kind of keeps them all together. And they work as a unit together. They have dinner every night together, right? There's one moment where her brother doesn't come to the table and that's just unacceptable, right? (laughs) But that's also true in that culture. I think it's also true of the time. We've lost a lot of that, right? We don't have so much of every night family dinner, dinners on the table. And granted, there are a lot of reasons for that. And I'm not saying that it's a good thing or a bad thing. I just think it's really, I find it interesting that this was a unit that was going to make it together or not. The other thing is I always felt like her brother was a good producer and writer because, you know, she did win Grammys with the, with the work that he did for her. But here's what's interesting is when she died, he did not continue. Now, I don't know if he dropped out. I never looked it up, but I don't know if he dropped out or if nobody picked him up or he wasn't able to sell more of his songs. It just seemed to me that he was so successful with her, somebody would have picked him up after she died because the, basically the family disappeared. Well, I, I can't imagine what a tragedy like that would do mm-hmm. to a family. I would imagine in my head, in the narrative in my head. Not he, to be confused wrote, with reality. <laughs> yes, never, never, ever. You know, he wrote his songs for Selena. Yeah. He wrote his songs for his sister. And I wonder if how hard that might be to write for someone else after such a tragedy like that. So do you recommend it? And for whom? I do recommend it. I recommend it for everyone, especially for families. I think if you're looking for something to watch with your kids, this is a good show to be able to watch as a family together. I mean, obviously the second season's going to get a little darker. She has a tragic end. I don't know how, you know, you want to, approach having that conversation but I think it's a nice exposure to a different culture as we're both white women and being able to get a glimpse and really get to know this family and how they came 
to be and how they came together and how they all rallied around, you know, their youngest sibling, which I think is pretty beautiful. Well, the other thing is that the writers and the producers and director, everybody made a choice that, you know, as we, we talked about how sort of saccharine positive it is, even in the second season, they are not focusing on the murderer and how she died. No. That's never going to be their focus because they said they didn't want that to be the focus of how people remembered her life. So yeah. Backseat even, it's not going to go darker in the second season. I think it's going to be about the music and about the rise to fame at a, in, a, in a very, very difficult situation. And it's also a great opportunity to expose this younger generation to the terrible style choices that we made in the <laughs> 80s and 90s. And we get to explain what a perm is, you know? No, I never did the, you know, first of all, that's more my generation than yours, you know? <laughs> But I can tell you in the 70s and 80s, I didn't do that to my hair. And I all, never felt like I looked out of place. There wasn't as much <laughs> of that hair as movies will make you believe is all I want to tell you. Well, I have curly hair. And when I was four years old, my mother got approached by another woman and asked where she got my hair permed and colored well, there you as go. a four-year-old. There you go. And she was like, she's four. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. Now the second movie we're going to do, which I wanted to do, which I don't know what, how we're going to even approach this, but Meryl Streep has two things out right now. First one is prom, the prom that she did. She loves to sing. Meryl Streep loves yeah. to sing. So, and she actually was trained. She always thought she'd be a Broadway singing star rather than what she became, which was a film huh. star. But anyway, so she did the prom, but the one we're going to talk about is Let Them All Talk, which comes out of HBO. And here's the thing, Meryl Streep, Diane Wiest, which, oh God, I love her. I mean, mm -hmm. her in The Horse Whisperer, best movie she ever did. Candace Bergen, who wears her weight and her age with the kind of grace and dignity that keeps beauty alive no matter how you age. I love the way she- She is stunning. Yeah. She's yeah. stunning still. Okay, so you bring in Streep, Wiest, and Bergen. And what do you have? I mean, so basically it's three college friends getting together to go across the ocean. We think that there's a fear of flying. Oh, don't forget Lucas Hedges. I just want to talk about the women. But <laughs> anyway, so they went to college together and one of them became a famous writer and basically one of her most famous books happens to tell the story of one of the three of them in a way that breaks up her life afterward. It talks about her marriage and her husband clearly reads the book and decides he doesn't want to be in that marriage anymore and her life is ruined. Okay. And she doesn't really forgive her friends. But anyway, they, so they're all, they all get on this boat after 50 years and they haven't seen each other in 30 years. And they get on this boat to sort of reconnect. QE2. Yeah, the QE2, which by the way, they were on the QE2 and they filmed it in two weeks. Was that during COVID? I don't know. I, I, don't know, I, was, but, I was thinking that this is a genius way to film a movie during right, COVID. Right, could be. But it was <laughs> filmed on the QE2 and they filmed it in two weeks, which is pretty amazing. And interestingly enough, it's written by Deborah Eisenberg, who we all know from Gossip Girl, right? But it's directed by your friend, Steven Soderbergh, who you love, right? <laughs> My personal friend, Steven Soderbergh, yes. Right. No, we're not personal friends. I just think he's a genius. I, well, I, that's why, exactly. <laughs> okay, and he says most of it was improvised, that all, you know, the dialogue and everything between the women, et cetera, was improvised. And that makes sense. Well, 
So I want to start off by saying I went to the University of Nebraska in 1970. Mm -hmm. Okay, when I left Nebraska, I went to New York and became a a New Yorker never to return, right? Uh And I had three friends who I went to the university with. And we had, I was in a sorority, but we also had our own sorority. We called it the A to Beta Pi. And we would bring a pie and we would divide it by four and we'd eat a beta pie <laughs> during our sorority <laughs> meeting. It was sort of like a sarcastic take on sororities. One of us stayed in Nebraska. Her husband was in the Navy. One of us went to Texas and one of us went to Missouri. And then I went to New York. Okay, every five years we would have a get together and we'd get together and we still do it. So I know those three women and I know the intimacy of that kind of click in college and then as you all went to these very separate lives, coming back together again, et cetera. And part of my disappointment in this film is the dialogue is so difficult and he wanted it to be difficult. Yeah, but you very don't, stilted. You never see the connection they must have had to be the threesome that they were 50 years prior. We never see that girl connection friendship that would have based this whole thing of why they'd even get together 50 years later. So I thought that was a downside. I to- thought that was kind of the point. I mean, you kind of see it. absolutely it was. You're right. Yeah. East and Candace Bergen. You do get that between the two of them. There are several scenes of them playing board games where they're having an honest to goodness talk about something that clearly it's interesting because they don't treat it like they've talked about this a million times before. And it feels like this is something they would have talked about a million times before. But we know they haven't seen each other in th- over 30 years. So they wouldn't have necessarily. Sure. But this is like the big Candace Bergen feels that her life was stolen from her. Right. By, by Alice, right. Meryl's character. She right, has but, not well, gotten. She outed her life in a way that meant it ended her life that way. Yeah, but it wasn't her choice, right? It was it no, was stolen from and her it wasn't, by, yeah. by her friend who wrote this wonderful book that made her this well-renowned, world-renowned author. Yeah, she won every, I mean, she won the Pulitzer for the book. And it, it is amazing because every conversation with Meryl, I have no idea what the hell she's talking about. <laughs> And clearly the other two women have, are like trying to keep up, but also have no idea what she's talking about. And they're like, who is this person? Is she the one I went to college with? Like, where did well, that they go? Even, one of them even says it. She didn't used to talk like that, did she? Yeah. You know, like, who is she? But I also know when I get together with my college friends, sometimes when one of them is missing, we're like, what happened to her? You know, like, yeah. you know, we all do change based on the environment in which we grow into. But here's the thing. There's one scene, finally, Candace Bergen confronts Meryl Streep, and we won't go into the details of it, but it's worth the wait, in my opinion. Okay. And Candace Bergen says, wallowing in the debris of what your life used to be. And I thought, did you improvise that? Because if you improvise that, it's one of the great sentences of all time. I was wallowing in the debris of what your life used to be. Okay, when I heard that, and I thought, okay, if that's improvisation, that is amazing, but I think it's the written word, and I think he shouldn't have allowed quite so much improv, because I don't, I don't think it held together. It was almost irritating, like, Hmm. what is the point of the scene? How is it progressing me forward in this plot? You know, plot matters, and every scene is supposed to 
push you further along toward whatever the arcs are and whatever, you know, where we're going. And I felt like it just stalled a bunch of times. And either those three women are not that good at improv or, <laughs> or he was trying to irritate me in this way of they never quite get there ever, which probably yeah. is the point. Yeah. I mean, usually when you're dealing with improvisation, especially in film, they're given a goal in the scene and maybe a line or two that they have to get out. And it's, you know, go for it and get there, right? And I think the person who has perfected this art is Christopher Guest. And if you haven't watched any really? of his movies, you should absolutely go watch Okay, it. give me an example. Which one? Give us one to watch. I mean, Best in Show is just oh, phenomenal. Yeah, and he, you know, he kind of took over from Rob Reiner from This is Spinal Tap, which I think is... It's one of my favorite movies of all time. But by the way, Best in Show is never boring anytime. No, we 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 were watching the Kennel Club dog show for real one, yeah, the real (laughs) one. And then all we wanted to do was watch the movie. Okay, but can I ask? So a lot of that was improv during that in Best in Show. Chris Guest is all of his movies are improv. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, Okay, they'll have goals of you know what needs to happen during a scene. Or like, especially I imagine in, in Best in Show, there was a lot of choreography and like, yeah, yeah. with the dogs and what have you. But those therapy sessions between with Parker Posey, those are all improv. Like the, you know <laughs> what's great. I, see, I didn't know that. And you know what's interesting about that is there's an awkwardness. Yeah. That it must, which by the way, I now see as I look back, I mean, I haven't seen it in a long time, but, and I've watched it more than once. It's like, wow, that's what improv does. It Mm -hmm. allows for this almost uncomfortable sense of, when are you going to say something? Well, and you don't know. It doesn't follow bam, bam. You know, it's not the Aaron Sorkin way of, you know, Mm -hmm. of dialogue where it's one right after, you know, it's bam, 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 bam. So, oh, that's Well, I think in in this film, you know, this isn't a comedy and and improv is is very helpful in comedy because when you're thrown a curveball, you get to play. And in this, this is so much a drama that it, it lets that awkwardness breathe between right. them. And they haven't seen each other in 30 years. There's going to be a lot of awkwardness. And one of them thinks the other woman ruined her life. So, yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think the awkwardness is, is necessary. I think it's, it's planned. Lucas Hedges is the nephew to Meryl Streep. And he spends most of his time with Gemma Chan, who is also a gem. Who gets to- a higher billing, by the way, than both Candace Bergen and Diane Wiest, which I thought was weird. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know yep. that. Yep. Well, they're both also stellar. No, she was um, great. But I'm just saying, wow, why do you, why is your name in front? Uh-huh, interesting. Well, I think, I think she and Lucas are the outreach to a younger audience. Not that this movie. Is Absolutely. You know, I just have to audience. remember that I'm, you know, the old girl, but the other thing is, why do you think Meryl Streep did this movie? Probably to work with Steven and Diane and Candace. I mean, I think this is a small commitment to get to do something different and interesting and fun. She doesn't play. This isn't a it's reach. Not for this fun. Character. It's not a fun part. No, but I think getting to be on the QE2 for two weeks with these women and Lucas Hedges and Steven Soderbergh, I think that's fun. Uh, <laughs> Well, the other and thing is, God, she she likes to work in this scene where she and Candace are finally having their real conversation. God, she's good. You know, her visual sense mm-hmm. of how to tell a story is just phenomenal. I think it's one of the great scenes 
that she's done, her, her timing, her, uh, you know, and now that I know is improv, what she didn't say, but said the way she holds her head in her hand to say, are we really going here? Yeah. Someone else would have said, are we really going here? And instead she just put her head in her hands, which said the same thing to anybody who would have been in that room. And I thought, God, less is more. I have got to learn to speak less and make more. <laughs> more gestures except for when I'm podcasting because you can't do that but god she's good she's so good she is I also think that she really embodied because it's fascinating she's an author right so she's her way of speaking is through the written word and she she fails to connect with everyone around her in this movie and I think except for her nephew (laughs) oh no I I didn't think that they connected very much at all Oh, I I, he, he feels like he's performing for her at every moment. At least I don't to- know. When he puts his head on her shoulder and admits that he got rejected, I, I thought it was a moment. I mean, I, that, I think that was really nice. But their breakfasts, all their breakfasts just feel like he's catering to her yeah. at every moment. Well, uh, which he is because. Which she- he is. But, but he explains that at the end. Well, we won't go into that. He explains what she brought to yeah. his table. And yeah. then you understand better why he was sort of so willing to be her man in waiting, you know? Yeah. yeah. But in that scene where, with Candace Bergen, when she confronts her, it's so interesting to watch because they're on two different planets. Yeah. You know, Candace Bergen's here on Earth and Meryl's in her la-la land that she likes to live in as this character. And it's amazing when she's called back down to where Candace is coming from. Yeah. Well, and also Candace's honesty was wonderful. Yeah. But I, I could watch Candace Bergen all day because she brings humor to any serious moment. And <laughs> she is fantastic. He's just funny, you know. And even in that moment when there, you've got this confrontation going on, it's like, and she's telling, you know, she's telling her truth and being her authentic self with zero apology for mm-hmm. what might sound to anyone else like gluttonous piggotry. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I, 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 you know, it's funny the way we're talking about it. I see that I liked the film a lot more than I felt I did when I was watching it. You know, I mean, we have Me a lot. To, yeah. We have a lot to talk <laughs> about. Yeah. But I didn't like it as much. And I have to say it was slow going. It's a slow burn. Two hours. And really I want the last half hour is all I wanted. Yeah, and I think I think Soderbergh. It's funny because he constantly threatens that he's not going to make anything anymore and he's going to retire. But then another movie pops up, and you're like, <laughs> "When did he make this?" But I think that's what he, he made does. it in two weeks on the QE two. Exactly. So. I think he's like, you know, and I could crank out a movie here, and not people have a lot to, to talk yeah, about. Sounds exactly. great. I want to work with these three women, and I want to make this movie. And he gets to do that because he's Steven Soderbergh. But it's beautifully composed. It is. The music yep. is. I found the music to be fascinating because there's not, there's not a lot of music in it, except for like there's balls and galas on the ship and there's background music when they're like having dinner and stuff. But the transitional music is, it harkens back to like a 50s screwball comedy almost. And that's kind of what I think he's putting us into is like, I'm throwing you into this situation with these characters. You don't know what's going to happen. They haven't seen each other in this long and like, oops, let's see what comes of it. And that's kind of how this whole film felt to me and when I understood what I was watching I was like oh I'm gonna be along for the ride on this one I kind of enjoy it exactly and I must tell you if you started and you feel like turning it off which is what I did don't because you'll be glad you watched it at the end but I also have one other thing to say about COVID 
So when I see films now and you're, you're like some, you know, there's a scene in a dining room, right? Yeah. And everybody's, their dining room is filled and everybody's sitting right on top of each other. And I start to feel anxious thinking they should be wearing masks. You know, yeah. <laughs> what happened? To, okay. So here in this film, they're in the dining room at the QE2 and nobody's in the dining room. They're, you yeah, know, they're all the, pretty All the tables out. next to them are empty. And I realized- It makes me think they did. This was, they, well, they, I, I know they shot it in certainly in the last six months. Oh, then but, yeah. Yeah, so, and it's also, of course, cheaper, but they didn't fill that dining room. There was, you know, there's nobody in that dining room. So. No, but there, there are a ton of extras on the ship with them. Like, the, there's- They're walking in spaces that are six feet apart from them. Yeah, there are a couple of scenes, though, like, especially with Candace Bergen when she's, like, at the bars, where you see her sur- kind of surrounded. It's framed well, so they, it feels like there's a lot of people yeah. around, but it never, it never feels overcrowded. But and and unlike anything else I've been watching lately, where COVID comes to my mind when I'm watching, like, whoa, you can't do that now. The spacing was such that I didn't feel that disquiet, which tells you that our lives, we don't even realize how much COVID is entering into our lives. Because when I watch TV oh, yeah. shows or something now, I'm like, you can't do that now. You know, Why aren't you wearing masks? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, I recommend this film. I do. And I, I certainly think for my generation, it will give you a lot to think about, but also three women like this, three exceptional actors who are so good at their craft. It's, it was a pleasure to see it. Yeah. I think, I do think it's kind of funny this is an oddball pairing of what we reviewed this week between selena and this. I, I don't think they could be more opposite i, thought it, I actually i loved when you said let's do the both of them together because it's almost perfect you know it's like so much out there so much. well yeah and this is i mean this is very white it's a very white cast except for Gemma, and i mean she's she's stunning like it is hard to look away from her yeah, she's so yes, beautiful yeah. and the um, camera loves her it does yeah I mean, she, she was great in Crazy Rich Asians, yeah. and I'm so glad that she's now kind of out there and doing more. But it's, you know, it's, it's mostly well-off white women problems, but I think it does hone in on a time of life that we don't look at enough within film, especially amongst women. I agree. Uh, there's a, a sense of almost invisibility, right? I think it's fascinating that there's another author who's a crime novelist on the ship that everybody recognizes. No one recognizes Meryl Streep on the ship. Oh, no, no. And there's a sense of invisibility of culmination and these, these three women coming together and experiencing this together. I think, I think we get to see a part of life that we don't normally focus on in film. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, really grateful. Point. Yeah, really good point. And also nice for me to have a mirror of that point. I, I think it's great. Yeah. So I highly recommend it. I also, I recommend both of them. Although I don't know that you need to watch every single episode of Selena, you know? No, I, th- I think there's some fun. There's, a, you know, the music is a blast and the costumes are hilarious. Watch it as a family. If you're looking for something to watch as a family, this is a good one. And, you know, there's not going to be any scenes where the kids need to look away or you need to cover their ears or eyes. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> nice and safe. you want to get them a musical instrument, you know? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Your kids are going to go, what, what, what's our family band going to be? Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, enjoy the week and definitely watch TV. It's fabulous these days, don't you think? Yeah, I think luckily that we've got enough content to get us through these quarantines, oh, no. which is nice. <laughs>
I know. Anyway, we'll see you all next week. 